Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Trucking Driver podcast. It's a special episode today because I've travelled down to Volvo Trucks UK's headquarters in Warwick to meet with Martin Tomlinson, Head of Press and Product Demonstration UK. And we've been out driving uh, four of the brand new Volvo Trucks range, the FM, FH540 Dual Clutch, FH16750 and the FMX Tipper. It's been a long time coming, Martin. It certainly has. It certainly feels like a long time. Yes, it does. Now, this was originally planned for March. There was there was going to be a launch in Sweden. There was. First uh, 10th of March, I think, we were originally supposed to go and drive all these trucks over in Gothenburg. Uh, but obviously, with the events that have happened in the last few weeks, obviously, everything got delayed, postponed, uh, moved forward, however you want to describe it. Well, it was one of the very first casualties of the coronavirus yeah, it was. I mean, we, we made a decision uh, probably about three weeks before uh, the UK announcement to, to go into lockdown. Uh, the Swedes had a few cases before us, um, probably I think it was the Friday before we were supposed to go on the Sunday, if I remember rightly. Uh, so they, they took the decision very, very early. And with hindsight, it was probably the right thing to do. We got journalists flying in from, uh, I think it was something like 50 countries to drive the truck over a two-week period. Uh, so obviously the logistics behind that is incredible to get everybody in one place at the same time and with the travel restrictions that were, were about to come into place it seemed like a the sensible thing to do it was and it was so it couldn't have been any more last minute i mean what sort of how long is the build-up what goes into launching a new range of trucks because you've obviously got the fm which is an event in itself and then you've got the heavily revised fh and fmx when did you start the project for these new trucks? Well, I first saw uh, FM and FH uh, two years, uh, so it would have been uh, October of 2018, if I remember rightly. That was the first time we saw them, so almost two years ago. Certainly a good 18 months before the actual reveal date. And obviously we, we went and took customers to Gothenburg. We had driver clinics to get driver input. Um, so we took three or four different customers on separate trips to Spain and Sweden to go and drive the new truck, albeit camouflaged at the time, uh, to get input to make sure that we did, a, did everything that drivers want. And obviously that's the most important thing. It's built for the driver and the whole mantra around the launch was built for you. So we wanted to get that input. Yeah, now, you managed to get four trucks into the country. You've got an example of each one, but these trucks haven't fully gone into production yet, have they? No, that's right. I mean, initially, the, um, as you say, these four trucks, we, we got them literally at the last minute. Uh, it's involved going to the factory in Belgium four times. We went over six, over six days we went uh, to get four trucks. We started with the, the FMX was the first off the, off the line, followed by the FH. Then the FM and then the FH16 came as the last truck. So we literally got through the Channel Tunnel almost on the same day that Boris decided that enough was enough and we should uh, we should go into lockdown to be safe. So we literally cut it to the wire. I mean, normally we don't fetch our own trucks. They get delivered. Um, but obviously the logistics process was put on hold as well. So to make sure we got them in the country for what was supposed to be the, the official launch was, uh, was something of a challenge, yeah. Yeah, and then basically they've since been parked up from th that point until pretty much, I suppose, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, normally we get like usually get days, a couple of days to turn these things around to get them ready for, for events such as what we've done today. But uh, it's the first time and probably hopefully the only time I'll ever get four months to prep four trucks. Obviously PDI'd them, um, calibrated the TACO and, and so forth, and then pretty much parked them out of the way until we could get the get the IVA test done on them. Yeah, I mean, to put our listeners in the picture, today is the first 
event for the trade press to go and drive the trucks since coming back and there were four of us here uh, there was myself from Trucking Driver, Will Shires and um, Colin Barnett from Commercial Motor and Kevin Swallow from Transport News. So it was a much smaller event than what you would traditionally do. Yeah. I mean, you know, truck manufacturers, uh, when they're launching a new range of trucks, it's a major yeah, yeah. event. Uh, the planning into it, you know, it, it's like Olympic level, some of these events. So we've had something much more modest. But it, it's been good. It's been good today. I mean, regular listeners to the podcast will know about my my descent, slow descent into madness as I spent three months at home with barely any human contact. I mean, what what was it uh, like for you? Were you working from home throughout this time? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I rarely um, rarely work from home. Every now and again, maybe, but certainly not for fourteen, fifteen weeks solid. I mean, it's unheard of, really. We never, we just don't do it. Um, obviously, we're normally out and about with customers, with journalists, doing similar to what we've done today, demonstrating the new trucks, proving uh, what they deliver. Yeah, so it's been a, it's been a challenging and tough. How many, how many miles do you tend to do a year? Car miles, probably about, uh, probably about forty thousand car miles plus truck miles. So I don't, I've never really added it up, but my car miles must be the same. I did, ten, I did ten thousand miles yeah. between the end of December and lockdown. Yeah. And then I did 500 <laughs> between the entire time. It's been a, a complete lifestyle change, but this is a sweet taste of normality coming back to, to things today. It has been good because we've had a, a good amount of time with each of the trucks to get a feel for them. Obviously, you need to really to get the feel for what a truck's like. You need to go and work it. But early impressions are, are really positive. What was involved when you had your, your groups out, when you take drivers out, are these from certain like companies yeah. that you what you've got a relationship with to test pre-production trucks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got uh, we, obviously we have pre-production trucks uh, or field test trucks as we call them out in service with selected customers and have done for for a number of years. Then what we also do for the, the driver clinics, we so take FM for example, we we look for somebody that runs that type of vehicle and take invite them to to come out with us. Same with tippers, we took a, a tipper operator from from South Wales. A couple of operators from the Midlands who run a mixture of FM and FH just to get their feedback really. So obviously for them it's quite often a one-off a one-off trip to see something that doesn't exist really. So uh, obviously the, the feedback we get is usually fairly blunt and to the point, which is exactly what we're looking for. I mean, I guess that um, you'll have different feed Volvo Germany, Volvo France, Volvo Sweden is all going to do these same focus groups things yeah. and like each truck's so. are... I mean, the UK is obviously different to a large swathe of Europe because we like our 6 by 2s and <laughs> we, we've got a tendency towards upsizing the cabs these days as well, whereby people who previously would have used FMs have gone to FHs for reasons of sort of driver appeal and resale value. Yeah, but tell us about the, the FM, because obviously the, the old truck, old faithful, lo- long service, but the cab was starting to get a little bit dated on it. This is a completely new cab. It's on this FH, and it's got a number, well, I've seen it for myself, it's got a number of improvements in it. Um, but do you want to talk us through the kind of main changes to what you're yeah. getting if you order a new FM as opposed to the old one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, as you can see, um, anybody that's seen it, but there's been a few shots of it on the internet, but it's a completely new cab from the floor up. The, the chassis itself and the driveline remains uh, our D13K and I-Shift driveline, which 
a lot of people and a lot of people listening to this will be familiar with. Yeah, well, there was a huge, obviously in 2019, you had the huge update where we were, everyone went Euro 6D and then you had the turbo compound engines arriving as well. So it's been... Well, the, the, the turbo compound carries on. Uh, that's obviously only in FH, not in FM. Uh, but FM is available with 11 litre, 13 litre, and of course the, the LNG solution that we have as well. I mean, you can get the dual clutch in the FM as well. Um, it is available. Uh, with, with the dual clutch. Uh, I mean, the dual clutch itself, uh, as you've driven the, the FH today, is very much more designed for sort of like long haul operations where high average speeds are uh, are important and where the loads are a little bit more volatile yeah. so you get a, a smoother drive. So if you're not pedaling down Dale, because Burkham's that own that FM, they're going down sort of Cornish. They've got the Cornish back roads for the truck where it's working on the day shift. Yeah. So having the smaller, narrower calve works because it's not getting battered by tree branches. And when you're going up hills, you know, that, that dual clutch kind of comes into its own. It does. But in terms of the actual FM cab, I mean, as you've already seen today, the, the, cab, uh, the cab is completely new. One of the major changes uh, from where we were is the visibility. So with the, we've gone to the same mirrors that we've had on the FH since, uh, since 2012. And also the, uh, the windscreen level is a lot lower. The dash slopes away. So the visibility out the front is completely 100 times better than where we were. Um, the mirrors, again, everybody that's driven an FH will probably understand what I'm talking about when we talk about the lack of blind spots in, in FH mirrors. They are, I'd probably say, market leading. I know I would say that working for Volvo, but I've not driven anything with any better mirrors. Um, and obviously, they've now been transferred over onto the FM, which with the cab being a little bit lower, actually gives you even better visibility than, uh, than maybe even what the FH does. It is. I think it's got a lot. There's a lot to be said for said for having the low height to the cab with the visibility, especially with your direct vision standards and everything coming in. And you know, there's a lot of distribution fleets that have previously gone for the FH. And I wonder now, with the new with the new excitement around the FM, the new modernised cab, if we're going to see more examples of these on the road, because it does do a lot in a very compact set of dimensions. I mean, what, do you, what we did today was, the structure of the day was, we had two trucks to drive in the morning and two in the afternoon. And I started off, I started off with the F8 16750, which is a truck that, well, I'm already familiar with that model because you gave me the, the red one with the mini midlift axle at the end of 2018 when I just started on Truck and Driver. Well, I mean, it did exactly what I expected to do. They do loads and loads of power, didn't have to provoke it into anything, you know, just let the torque do the work. Yeah. And then we moved on to the 540 with the dual clutch in it. And to me, that was more exciting. That was more of a revolution than the FH, the 750, because it was, it was showing me something that I hadn't expected. I haven't really had much experience with a dual clutch. The only time I drove one was last year in Sweden when we had the turbo compound launch. Yeah, and it's quite amazing how it will pick away and change gear that quickly. And the intelligence of it was in a time when trucks are obviously becoming more automated and there's more driver aids coming in. But what it's important, I think, is that trucks work with the driver and the dual clutch works really well with the driver. You can influence it. And we came down to the bottom of like a really steep descent and I thought... We need some. We need a bit of go here. So I dropped it into tenth, and it was already in eleventh, and floored it at the bottom of the hill. And it had enough time for it to think about what it was going to do. And I can tell you for a fact that there's some rival trucks that would have gone for eleventh or even twelfth there, 
and it held 10th and it went all the way up the hill in 10th and then it eventually had to take 9th and it's so quick going down that you don't lose the momentum and that for me with the, the performance of the 540 that was quite a that was quite a revelation that I would imagine that there wouldn't be much difference if you were running that between back and forth between that and the 16 in normal traffic you know that's and that's not to say anything against the 16 that's to say how good that 540 is with that setup on it so I was um I was really impressed with that and I'm looking forward to you know spending a week with one of those trucks that would be because you, can you get a, can you get a turbo compound dual clutch? Can, yes. See, that's got to be a really interesting thing. Like a five hundred with that all connected. That's a lot of technology. You know, that's <laughs> we, we actually had we actually had a five hundred turbo compound last year, and uh, obviously as you, you probably saw the fuel test results that we did with your system magazine, commercial motor. Yeah. Um, so that broke the the commercial motor test route. And um, we, we thought about it afterwards. Well, we've got a, an engine that's incredibly efficient, and then we put in a gearbox on it that is almost like a sports car type gearbox. And do the two? Is it two different variants? Should they should they be together? Well, you you have got a lot of variants now. It's like, do you go do you go for a dual clutch? Do you go for a turbo compound? Do you go for the five forty? Is but I would say the the two morning trucks, the FH sixteen, because it was a known quantity, mm. I just that did what I expected it to do, and I was pleasantly surprised at how good the, the dual clutch was, and how intelligent it is. Because it's important for the technology to work with the drivers. And then we moved on to the afternoon, and then I got to drive the FMX eight wheeler. Yeah. Um, as you know, I spent two years full time on an eight wheeler in my trusty old noisy, smoky, folding alpha with 16-speed manual gearbox. And as wonderful as that thing was, you know, I would I would happily go out and do a shift in one tomorrow. Uh, you did know all about it at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, you, you could sit down at night and still feel that you were driving the thing because of the noise and vibration. How much has changed in the FMX? That's, a, that's also taking on the FM modular... Cab. It does, yeah. I mean, cab, cab-wise, from the from above the, the sort of headlight panel upwards, it's it's the same cab. Obviously, the the front grille is slightly different. We've got the big uh, construction type towing pin for going on and off sites. Obviously, the the ground clearance on an FMX, with it being an N3G chassis, is a bit higher than a normal. What's an N3G chassis? So you basically got for off-road and on, on-road and off-road. Uh, mm. N3 being a standard tractor, and N3G for yeah. being the the more construction. Yes, because off-road. I, there has been a there has been a fashion towards going towards trident vehicles and low-height yeah. vehicles, but they're not they're suitable for certain jobs, but they're not suitable for everything. There is still a market for a big tough Tonka toy ate before. Um, we, we've sold. Uh, I mean, obviously, tridents are incredibly popular in Scandinavia, uh, probably more than a standard. Sort of UK spec eight before, um, but as you say, they're not right for everything. But we have been quite successful over in the UK with with Tridems. But it's guys that are doing aggregates, tarmac, uh, and that type of operation. But if you're going off road on demolition, muck away construction sites, and obviously the the ground clearance is the is the key the key part of the truck. So you don't uh, don't get any damage underneath. So obviously both trucks have their their market, so to speak. I mean, I like a manual gearbox, and obviously these things Volvo has moved things on so much. The last time I drove an eight-wheeler automatic was 2016, and I found it like quite tiresome because of the nature of the work. It can be quite frantic, and I like to be in full control. But you can feel with that, I would be confident going on any site with that. I was sitting at an uphill part of a junction, feathering the throttle, as if I was just getting ready to pull out, pull out of traffic. Just as if you were like riding the clutch and getting ready to go, and as soon as I wanted to go, I just applied more throttle and out it went. 
which you didn't have a sort of a long time ago. And you're thinking, you know, you could do 20 loads a day in one of them. It's obviously, it, it's got a bit of bounciness because of the nature of the, the vehicle, but the quietness, again, and it's surprising for an eight-wheeler. So. Well, the new, the new range is, uh, is about two decibels lower than what we've, we've just had previously. So they are very, very quiet. And sometimes, even on the, I don't know if you notice on the FM tractor, you can actually more hear the road noise off the tyres than what you could the engine. Turn them to the AFM, I, mean, I, I would noticed how quiet the... The FH540 was quieter than the FH16, obviously, because it's not that the FH16 was noisy, but it's got the bigger engine under the floor. When we got into the FM, this is an F, this is a little FM420 Globetrotter 4x2, weighted at 30 tons, and for me that was a surprise package of the day to get into that because it was the refinement and comfort in it is the same as in an FH. But you're sitting low to the ground, so it's perfect for urban work. But it's also just as good in long distance. Uh, there's still, but you're sitting low to the ground, so you've got the, the hump in the middle. But you've, you, there's enough space to stand on the hump upright. I'm five foot eleven with my, with my work boots on, which I would not wear to stand in the middle of the truck. I would hasten to add. <laughs> So the, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the car, in the cab there. I mean, there's a few interior changes as well in the, the FM. You've got, it looks pretty much identical to a scaled down FH. Now. Yeah, and, and as we said while we were out on the, on the road earlier, when, when we launched the FH back in 2012, every time you drove one on the road, when they were, they were first new, every driver was looking at you and trying to see what it was going the other way. But with the FM, because it looks so like the FH, you barely get a second glance. But it's a tool, it does a job. It's as you said, the, the center of gravity feels much better. You feel really planted and you actually feel part of the truck. So, yeah, it's a I, I really enjoy driving it. It's a fantastic bit of kit, and I think I think we'll do well with it. And the feedback we've had so far from a couple of fleet customers have been and seen it already, and who, who currently run FH, uh, and they're incredibly okay, so positive. You know, like, an, like an FM 500 dual clutch, mm. that new model, you know, that'd be like a little pocket rocket. That yeah. was the, that was a surprise package in the day for for me. I mean, there's. Um, what else had changed inside it? Because you've got your lockers on the rear of the car. Yeah. And curiously, the fridge lives up, yeah. up there. Has that always been like that? Maybe? Yeah, it's always, it's always been an option, but you very rarely see them. I mean, obviously, as again, some of you guys will know, the, the fridge on an FH is under the bunk, but obviously the, the, the cab floor is higher because the FM's lower. Um, so we can now get the uh, fridge up in the in the top lockers. So you get the with the single bunk, you get 440 mil deep lockers uh, on on. Uh, on the back wall, plus obviously the, the the lockers on the front wall as well. So the amount of storage inside the cab is pretty good. You can also lift the bunk up as well. So there's a storage bin underneath, uh, which is fairly deep. And then of course on the outside, you've got the the two exterior lockers as well, which albeit not as deep as FH because of the cab height, are still fairly substantial for this that class of truck. Yeah, I think I think for a distribution model truck, a truck that's going to go into city centres, a truck that's going to go down country lanes, I would. You, know, you maybe see some people turning to that who would have previously gone mm. for the gone for the FH. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously you've got that many that many options there anyway. Yes, absolutely. The plan is obviously these are these are early sort of pre-production model trucks. So what's what's the plan? When can we start to? see these appearing on our roads well, from from an order point of view customers will be able to order them from what we, we're talking week number so week 40 this year which is the monday the 29th of september if i remember rightly um so they'll be available 
from then onwards to, to order. Um, and obviously we're still selling the, the current model up until early part of next year. And you may have seen we've also done a recently launched the Unlimited Edition. Yeah, the FH Unlimited, which d- does actually have a speed limiter. <laughs> it does, I'm afraid, yes. It, uh, it does have a speed limiter. So yeah, there's a couple of uh, options with that. Uh, different power options and dual clutch we spoke about and turbo compound we spoke about. Mm-hmm. So we've got three different models combining those three features that you can you can get on the current model. And that'll run through until early part of next year when the, the new new production will start on, on the new models. So yeah, exciting times really. Um, unfortunately, been delayed six months from where we were, but yeah, it's just going to make it all the better when these things finally start start arriving and getting out there. You know, but people still need to replace their trucks. They still need modern vehicles, and there's obviously the the push for maximum efficiency. I would like. What else could I mention? The driver driver interface, of course. We're not. I don't think we spoke about that. We've got. Yes, yeah, so, yes, of course. I mean, I mean, the second you climb into the cab, you'll see that the, the cab architecture is broadly the same. It's been a case of evolving things, yeah. evolving Volvo, <laughs> and you will get in, and you'll notice that there's now a di- there's now a new digital dash display instead of your traditional sort of dials. Yeah. So you've got that, and then you've got your nine inch touchscreen display. And you'll find that the plastics throughout have been updated. One of the criticisms previously levelled at the Volvo FH was perhaps that some of the plastic wasn't as nice as it could have been. And it's been there's like new soft touch plastics. You've got a more solid feel. You've got some interesting new colour options there as well. Vivid plum. Let's not forget vivid, vivid plum. plum. Let's not forget vivid plum. Yes. So how do you go about getting? So what, what are the colour options in the interior? If the, you basically we've got an op, uh, as always with these things we've got a, a multitude of, of different colours you can get the seats in vinyl you can get them in cloth get them in leather you can get part vinyl um, with uh, with cloth at the outsides uh, in various different colours of which the Vivid Plum is probably the most interesting one as we spoke about the FH16 uh, for those of you that remember when we had when we launched the the 610 FH16 which seems like a lifetime ago uh, we had the terracotta or orange uh, for normal people, interior. So we've got the, the trim lists were, were orange. So we've gone back to that. So we've still got a bit of, little bit of a retro feel back to uh, back to version two with the, the interior colours. But as you say, the quality of the interior and the, the plastics feel much more substantial and robust from, from where we were. So yeah, ex- exciting times ahead, really. We're really looking forward to, uh, to getting, getting them out there. Do these come on like, is LNG coming on the same line? Is that just the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. LNG, same as previously. So uh, it's a 13 litre engine, uh, diesel cycle engine. So we use a small amount of diesel uh, for the combustion. It's available uh, with 420 and 460 horsepower on FM and FH tractors and selected ridges, depending on the wheelbase, obviously, for the uh, for the gas tank. But that's that will continue as it does today on, on the new models. We'll just carry straight on. And that's available at launch as well. Yeah, I mean, as, um, as readers of Trucking Driver or listeners will know, I've got quite an interest in LNG trucks because I spent a lot of time driving one before I started as editor on Trucking Driver. And I had a good, a good time with um, your FH 4x2 LNG last September, which is getting on for a year ago. And that did, that did very well. And if it wasn't for the old coronavirus, I, was at, I would probably have had one of your LNG 6x2s with the mini midlift on it to go and do some trunking work with. The problem that I've got now is I'm going to attempt to try and get out for one week of each issue cycle between now and the end of the year to go and drive a truck. So I'm going to have to see what I can squeeze in between now and the end of the year and things. Because I did want to try and do a project. I did want to go and try and do a trunking project with an LNG truck to go and see how it would do. 
I did think about um, maybe even doing some doubled man stuff to Birmingham, which is obviously that's a long shift for a truck. And in Scotland, if you can get down to Birmingham and back in a tank and LNG, then you're laughing. But it would be interesting to see with the mini midlift on and that little bit of extra range that you can get for the tanks that it should manage that. With the, with the mini midlift, I mean, we have two, we have three different uh, tanks you can get. Um, the, with the mini midlift, you get 155 kilograms. Uh, 115 kilograms with the smaller, with the normal the normal size midlift wheels on, and then on a four by two like the one you had, uh, that goes up to 205 kilograms. So Birmingham and back is probably probably just about doable, I would say. I would th- I would think so. Yeah, that's the, that's the key. I'm surprised that more that the Scottish trunk operations aren't moving to gas, mm. but it's the, the chicken and egg sort of thing, you know. It's the, the network yeah. and. Yeah, I mean, the, the stations are springing up a little bit more. I mean, obviously, from Scotland coming down to Birmingham, obviously, Lim is probably the one that most people would, yeah. would think about. That's on Rambai. You've got, got Carlisle. You've got Gold, uh, Golden Fleece at Junction 42. Carlisle, you've got Lim, and then you get down, you've got Gas Wreck at Rugby. Yeah, on the A5. Um, so, yeah, there, there are a few. And the infrastructure is it is coming more. Um, there's a couple of customers that have got fueling sites in, in the central belting in Scotland, Malcolm's and... Yeah, Gilmore's have got the BOC tank there as well. Because BOC will come out and put a little skid unit tank in your yard so you can go and fuel the truck up every night and then they'll come and replenish it. So I'll see what the situation is a little bit later on in the year, see if I can't do something. What's the, what's the deal with you? I mean, you had Volvo trucks had the most impressive press fleet out of anybody. Like last year you had all your massive fleet of yellow trucks with your black turbo compound ones. What's happened to them now? Have they been? Are they making their way into customers now? Yeah, pretty much all of them have gone. Uh, we've still got a couple um, which we're still using with with fleet customers. Uh, the vast majority of the yellow fleet have gone, uh, been sold to customers. Mostly, uh, there's a couple have been repainted, but the vast majority have stayed yellow, so they're still fairly. I have got somebody sent me up. We're going to go into a feature. One of your flat roof tags has been painted grey. Okay, there you go. That's it there. Although we can't see this, I'm just showing that. That looks well. That was previously yellow. Does look well, doesn't it? So these trucks all go on to go and find homes. Yeah, it looks good. Aye. So I mean, you'll probably be you kind of like between fleets at the moment. Then are these demons? Are these trucks that we've got here? Are they going to go out? Any of the fields that are these, kind of, you're going to keep these closer at home because of yeah. pre-production. In normal times, obviously, uh, when when we do a launch here, obviously things vary to a, a normal year. Obviously, we had uh, we went through the factory shutdown process, as did most most manufacturers uh, for several weeks. So we should have had a few more trucks come in, but obviously they've been put back and back and back for because obviously customer trucks need to take priority. Um, so at the moment we've just got the four the rest of the fleet um, have been sold so we've still got a couple um, which are with fleet customers on long term long term demos we've not not got too many at the moment but um, obviously things will hopefully pick up in the next next few weeks and we'll start getting back to a little bit of normality which I think uh, I think we need it is so the official launch is now planned in for October of this year. Sales starts at say week fourteen, which is the twenty ninth of September, is the official sales start. So that's the day you can order one from, and then production will start. Um, again, I'm talking week numbers, but week nine, uh, twenty twenty one, which is sort of end of, towards the end of uh, end of February. So uh, it's not not too far away. I mean, we're all almost middle of. Middle of July already, huh? No, no, it's, uh, the, the, the consolation is that the time, does, the, the time is moving fast and everything does seem to be moving yeah. in the right direction. I say that tentatively every week on the podcast. I'm like, well, it seems to be going okay so yeah. far. 
So we just need to remain positive and hope that it's all going <laughs> to yeah. keep going. I'm think, fingers crossed we, uh, say we get back to some normality and normal yeah. life returns. Yes, that was, that was a, a lovely slice of normality today for me to get out and actually drive some trucks again. I mean, we, obviously, we, we obviously wanted to do this, and the way we've done it today isn't the ideal way we like to, to do press trips or press launches, but uh, given the, the tools that we've got and the circumstances that the world is currently living in, I think, I think we've done okay. And obviously, the, um, we've kept to social distancing rules and hand wipes and sanitizer and masks and all sorts of things. Well, exactly. It's been, you know, the, the transport industry has not stopped through all of this, which is something I've said time and again. Your, your supply chain network has kept going. You know, nothing's been taken, taken out the game because of like large outbreaks in any of this. And you would have thought there were, people were scared at the beginning, saying lorry drivers could be spreading this all around the country, when it simply hasn't been the case at all. Transport stayed safe, and that's what we've been able to do today. It's just a matter of being, being sensible. I don't, I, with these measures in place, I don't see how we can go too much in the opposite direction. It can only go. No, I must admit, I mean, say during, during the lockdown phase, I mean, we've, we've been to see a couple of customers to hand certain trucks over, but the way we've done it has been different to what we've done it in the past. So we've sort of stood and kept away from, pointed at things rather than touching things. Um, but the, the whole transport industry in general has been incredible in the way that they've dealt with it. I mean, the precautions that have been taken, people have applied common sense. It's good to see that the industry that we work in have got people that are, are capable of doing that. And you've got to take your hats off to all the guys that have been keeping keeping the country going for. And, uh, the, I mean, yeah, drivers have had to deal with a lot of extremely difficult circumstances, especially at the height of lockdown, where everything was closed down, couldn't use toilets, it was difficult to get showers and everything. Volvo had a campaign going. Did you? What was that called? Yeah, we, we did a, a campaign uh, called Haulage Heroes, uh, which we started. Uh, it's probably the first or second week of lockdown. Uh, so we had a phenomenal response, uh, drivers sending in uh, pictures of themselves delivering, uh, delivering food, delivering medicines, delivering pretty much everything um, that you would normally see up and down the roads every day. Uh, we got them to send pictures of trucks in, uh, and obviously with the, the NHS side of it, everybody that decorated trucks with NHS logos. And we've had a phenomenal re- response to that on, um, on on social media, and all the channels have been packed and that, that to be fair that hasn't slowed down um, I mean I like to think we've moved on from that and we're looking towards the future again uh, but it's, it's really set a tone and a, uh, a theme and the amount of trucks we get photos we get sent in every day is well enough to fill 20 pages of uh, social media let alone the, the channels that we, we do already it is I mean we, we're doing our truck and driver awards this year which is taking place I mean that takes place in November at the Vox Centre in Birmingham so that hopefully that's that's going to be a positive thing. And we've got an award for, you know, we've got Young Driver, Lifetime Achievement. We've got like a, a hero hollier as well, you know, who, who's, you know, stuck up and stuck up for the rights of their drivers and done well. And it's the people, the things that people are writing in the nominations, you know, it's not just like he's a great bloke or something like that. People are writing like paragraphs and paragraphs of stuff explaining about these people who've worked so hard their whole lives to provide for their family, given up so much. And they've never had any recognition for any of it. So I think it's good that, you know, truck manufacturers, you know, transport associations, magazines, media are turning around and, you know, there's definitely more that can be done to, you know, say thanks and Absolutely. praise drivers and things like that. 
So if there's a maybe, just maybe there's something a bit positive to come out of all this dreadful virus and the the cost, you know, maybe maybe things will be a bit brighter going forward. Yeah, and hopefully drivers will get treated in the way that they should be and yeah. uh, get shown far more respect. Having said that, some of the overtaking manoeuvres that I encountered today without driving your trucks as well, going over yeah. on double white lines and overtaking the cross hatches, you know, maybe that won't ever change. But. Yeah, most of it, some of the driving since the lockdowns eased a little bit has been somewhat questionable, I think is probably the right term, but uh, mainly, mainly car drivers to be fair. But uh, Yeah, we've got, to go on, we've got to go on and keep pushing the, like, the positivity and then we'll, things will gradually you know, get better for the industry. Fingers crossed. Well, thanks very much for inviting us down and thanks for an amazing day out driving the trucks, Martin. Good, it was uh, a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on one and putting it to work this... Hopefully very soon. ...later on in the year, yep. My only concern would be what one would I choose if I was getting a choice. <laughs> but having said that, I mean, the surprise package of the day was without doubt the FM. That is, that's something else for what, you know, you couldn't even classify that as a fleet truck. I would say it's a compact truck. That's what I would say, because it's got the performance, the refinement. It's got everything, the build. It's got all the, all the facilities and um, luxuries that an FH potentially has. It just does it in a smaller package, and, and I think you know I'd be um, I'd be really excited to go and try one of them for a week. But you know I'll, I I'm pretty desperate. I'll take anything you're offering. You know we'll sort it. I'm sure. <laughs> right, cool. Thanks very much, Martin. I'll be sure to get you back on again soon. Yeah, no worries. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.